almost forgot today was Michael Jackson's birthday, man. That's how fucked up the last. <laughs> it is. And especially 24 hours it's been. Yeah. It's got me in a good mood. Yeah, I, I think we need this, man. <laughs> My favorite Michael Jackson track ever, for sure. Yeah. I, I th- it's definitely top five. I seen the um, I seen the meme I posted, and uh, I ended up reposting it. But um, that Thriller album, let me see if I can find it real quick. But it was kind of an interesting debate. Hold on. Let me guess, was it Off the Wall is Better Than Thriller? No, 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 oh, no, okay. no, no. I've seen that debate a whole lot. That's nah, this one, um, this yeah. one was the most insane five-track run ever. So, the, you know, the Thriller album had Thriller at um, track four. After that was Beat It. After that was Billy Jean. After that was Human Nature. And after that was PYT. <laughs> The that's murderers pretty, row. That's five yeah. bangers in the row like but, that. I mean, really, the entire album, except for one song, was all hit singles, too. Th- yeah, that's what I'm saying, so, yeah. But I guess yeah, he was talking like, about that five-track run. Like, what yeah. five songs on the album that's just straight-up bangers <laughs> that you can't even deny? I would have to say, <laughs> reasonable doubt, Jay-Z, the first five tracks. Yeah, I know it's Can't Knock the Hustle at number one. Uh, whatever the first five tracks are, I would say. I'm not going to say they better than Thriller, but yeah. I would say they, they, they're one of the great five-track runs now. Yeah, a lot of people don't have five tracks in a row that you could just play like this. That's bangers. I don't think nobody had bangers like this, though. Yeah. Like Thriller, Beat It, Billie Jean, <laughs> Human Nature, yeah. PYT in a row. I feel like that off the wall versus thriller discussion and debate only happens until you go back and look and see what was on thriller. It's cause yes. like, cause you might like start to confuse what was on what. Yeah. And like, and a lot of people start to confuse bad and thriller and some of what's on there. And so they're like, then they go back and they're like, Oh, wait a minute. No, this is, yeah. this is, this, this is true. So yeah. I think a lot of it is honestly thriller fatigue. The fact that the songs got so big and we've heard them so many times mm-hmm. that people probably hear off the wall and you probably hear some songs on there you haven't heard in years. Yeah. Whereas where you hear Thriller and it's like, okay, I hear this at least, you know, a few times every month, some in some kind of context. So <laughs> I think it's mainly people were just tired of Thriller. But yeah. if you like look at a song like Beat It, you might think of it as uh, it's okay, but if you actually look at that song, especially when it dropped, man, that song is incredible. Dog. The video was hard, <laughs> even yes. during that time, because when you I, I watched the Beat It video not that long ago, and that was around the era where you had like Billy Idol and you had yeah. these rock stars. They was trying to imitate that shit, and that shit looked awful. <laughs> but when you <laughs> but when you watch when you watch that video for Beat It. It was like yep. a damn movie, man. Like everybody was on point. Like it was, it was dope, man. The song was better. <laughs> the dude from New York Undercover dancing in the background too. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> it was the light skin dude. Yeah, 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 the Hispanic guy. Yeah, he was one of the main characters. He got killed on New York Undercover. Yeah, I remember characters. that. We, that was that was a sad day in my household. Yeah, <laughs> the show was never the same after that. By the way, too. it wasn't. We lost a little something. Yeah. And I think uh, then they had Tommy from uh, Martin on there. Did they have him on there after that? 
I can't I think, remember. Yeah, I know he was Man, on there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah thank you, thank you for that, Figgy. We we needed that uplifting uh, moment to remember. Today is uh, Michael Jackson's birthday. But happy birthday to Michael Jackson. Of course, we still miss him. One of the greatest of all time. Still. I'm still yeah. not putting Beyonce above him. I don't care what y'all say in the Beehive. When, no, yeah, he is the greatest pop star of all time. Not, not only that, man, when you look at that track list for Thriller, there's no way in hell you can even compare them to, man. Like, Beyonce don't have a Thriller album like that, where where it's just nothing but bangers after bangers after bangers. <laughs> I agree, but ask somebody like Leroy, he going to be like, oh, self-titled is right up there. No, he gonna name something off a of B day. <laughs> man. So now the fans, the fans yeah. believe it, but I, I'm not buying it yet. Man. No, Michael Jackson's still a goat until proven otherwise. Yeah, I kind of got sucked into it a little bit at one point, but when you look at that Thriller album, you like, nah, there's no way. Everything on here is a damn near number one single, <laughs> except for one song, maybe. Yeah, Mike, 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 and Quincy Jones in their prime on that album. You can't beat that with any <laughs> yeah. of them. I think, uh, like, for me, what influenced, like, how I look at Michael Jackson as a performer, I mean, by this point, we're past Thriller and Bad, and we're, like, into the early 90s, and, like, he's going through kind of this transformation. It's, like, early 90s now, but he's having these shows across the country where people are, like, fainting. Yeah. And, like, they're, like, dying in the crowd, it looks like. They're, like, go look at some of those old Michael Jackson performance videos, like, like people love Beyonce and be all into the performance, but man, people were like dying at these concerts. <laughs> like I, I've never seen anything like it at all. Period. Like before or since then, like the, the way people reacted to his music and to his performances. So yeah, no, nah, I would say Beyonce is probably the best since Mike, but better uh, is <laughs> kind of hard. Yeah, kind of hard, hard to do that. Yeah, just think of the impact he had during that time. Like, I know now it's way different. You got social media and stuff like that. But back, he, man, he had it lit back in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to top that. Yeah, and because to be fair to Beyonce and anyone else, like, who does have a third? Like, you just t- talked about how there ain't no five, too many. Uh, Rocket pulled out Reasonable Doubt, but ain't too many five-track runs like that. Like, who has a thriller? So. It's, it, you can't beat it, man. Mike and his prime, ne- never going to be anything like that again. So, yeah, man. yes. R.I.P. Michael Jackson. Too many R.I.P.s come coming this year as well, man. We got to get into that, too. But first off, let us introduce the podcast as we always do, man. This is, of course, Jim's and Juke's podcast. I'm with my boy, Figgy, and also special recurring guest, Brandon Scott to uh, uh, break down all things going on in the uh, the revolution. That started now, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. So we we gonna break everything going on in sports as well as you know all the protests, boycotts, whatever you want to call it. Um, but first off, we of course have to uh, react and give a special R.I.P. to Chadwick Boseman, who sadly passed away this week. Uh, turns out he had stage four colon cancer. Um, he had been diagnosed about four years ago. And uh, today, well, on Friday, they posted on the social media that he had passed while surrounded by his friends and his family. So very shocking. Um, this this one actually hurt a lot, man. Like, I know it might be blasphemous, but I want to say 
Like it's up there kind of, I, I legit feel it's almost as sad, not sadder than Kobe because the perspective of knowing at least there, there is a comfort for me knowing that Kobe passed quickly. You know, it was a crash. It was a freak accident, but it was sudden. But uh, finding out, number one, that Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther is dead, man. And then mm-hmm. finding out that he was struggling for so long, I took it really hard, man, because we, we never knew um, that he was going through that. But w- what was y'all's reaction to this news? Of course, everybody's sad. But uh, how did you find out, and, and, and what do you think about his career and legacy? Start you, Figgy. Yeah, I I actually found out last night as I was doing the um the Astros coverage, and um I got a text from my wife, and she sent me the screenshot from his Instagram. And at first, I I thought it might have been like a Black Panther two or something like that, some type of preview. And um uh, her text after that was, "I'm heartbroken. I can't believe this." So I end up zooming in on the picture, and they were saying he passed, and I. Like, I couldn't believe it, man. Like, I, I I was running a show, and, you know, it was so hard to focus during that time. Like, I couldn't believe it. And um, the thing is, a lot of people on Twitter wasn't even talking about it yet. So I had to kind of dig and make sure it was, you know, real. But this, you said it earlier, Ryan, I, I think this, if it's not past Kobe, it's probably up there because nobody saw this coming. And um, just the respect he had, some of the um, legendary roles he played as far as movies. He played Jackie Robinson. Yesterday was Jackie Robinson Day. Yeah. He played other icons like James Brown. And it seemed like it seemed like the ceiling was through the roof for him. Like I knew more was to come from him as far as his career. And um, I'm, I can't remember how old he was. He was around 42, I think. 43. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just felt like he had a bright future as far as, um, becoming that iconic, um, actor in, uh, in Hollywood. And just to, just to hear about his passing, man, it, th- that was kind of the cherry on top for the week, man. <laughs> like I know, I know all year we keep saying, you know, Forget 2020, cancel 2020. But right here, man, is that, that was like a, that was a uh, stab in the heart, man. Like this, this guy, I, I know we used to joke around with, you know, his, um, some of his movies because the, I think the last movie I saw from him was kind of bad. But like just to me, the work he did, man, it, you, you can't really overlook it. The, uh, his role in um, as Black Panther was to me. I I thought it was great, and I I don't see how you replace that. Like I, I'm not trying to jump the gun and see who will play who, but to me, I think it's impossible to just put somebody else in that role. Like I I don't know what Marvel need to do. I don't know if they have to you know rewrite everything and try to start from scratch or. I don't know what they need to do, but it will be hard, extremely hard, trying to replace that, you know, character. But um, just my overall thoughts, man, this, I'm, you know, heartbroken. I felt like I knew him personally. I felt like I lost a friend. And, man, I, that, I don't, that, that just put a damper on the whole year for me. 
Yeah, man. Um, like Figgy, I was working. So I was caught up in my own stuff, you know, and, you know, to be fair, what I was working on felt significant at the time. You know, I, I had been covering the Astros throughout the day. We were trying to figure out if they were going to play or not. Um, I, I felt like I had some indication that they might not. And so we were planning around that. And that was just like the whole focus. And then, of course, there was going to be the post game show that Figgy was producing. And, you know, I was just in my own world. And once I actually realized what was going on, I thought back to something that I had actually already seen on Twitter, and it was actually Chadwick Boseman's, the, the announcement of his death from his account. And I was thinking back, like, what I had seen, but was just flipping through on Twitter and didn't really, like, try to comprehend. And somebody had quote tweeted it and said, cancer sucks. But nowhere in my mind had I ever considered that Chadwick Boseman would have cancer or that he would die today. So, like, I just kind of just kept, I was like, I'm not sure what's going on there, and just kind of kept it moving and stuck on my own thing. And then I called into the postgame show. I talked to Figgy and uh, and the John, and, you know, at that point still didn't really know what had happened. And as soon as I got off the line with them, I checked Twitter, and that was the first thing that I saw. And I was just confused, sort of like with the Kobe thing, where it's just like you just never considered that something like that would happen. You know, it just comes out. It seems like it just comes out of the blue, out of nowhere. So, I mean, I I feel blindsided at the same time. You know, it's not about me. I feel blindsided just from a personal perspective. But then immediately I start to think about what a good dude this is that we're talking about. Like, he's played some you know, really pivotal parts, you know, Black Panther, you know, figure you mentioned Jackie Robinson and finding this out on Jackie Robinson Day when yeah. when baseball teams are making statements in the name of social justice on Jackie Robinson Day, a brother that, that is this good and this important to uh, the progression of black cinema and, and and hopefully the opportunities that black folks get, that black movies get, you know, because that was really the blessing of Black Panther was just the fact that they were able to present a cast like that and that he was able to lead it, a brother this good. Um, and just having followed him and just sort of what he's about, um, this was a legit good brother, you know, like just a, a good dude. I'm not going to pretend to know him personally, but like, like I know he was perfect or nothing like that because nobody is. Um, so I'm, I'm not trying to like, overplay it but like every indication every public presentation of this dude was good yeah um and so uh it's, it seems unfair you know it it, it it seems like it's like it's not right um that something like that would happen to somebody so young he was i felt like in the beginning you know we talked about those roles thurgood marshall uh you know jackie robinson james brown, james brown yeah um and then, like, the, and the, you talk about the last movie. I don't know the movie you talk about, Figgy, is The Five Bloods. No, no, <laughs> the oh, last no, thing no. You saw him no, in? no, no, I ain't see that movie. But it was another movie <laughs> of him being in New York as a cop. I think he was oh. like a, I think he was like a detective or something like that. I yeah, mean, no. Five Bridges yeah, or something that like that. went straight to Netflix. It was kind of okay. No, no, okay. No, that one didn't go straight. I don't think, no, I actually went to the movie theater to see that. Oh, well, it was actually in theaters? Wow. Yeah, I think it was called Five Bridges or something mm. like that. Six Bridges. 
But um, yeah, yeah, that wasn't really okay. a good movie. <laughs> well, yeah, the, but the one. So the last thing I saw, man, that I remember was the Five Bloods, and it's just like you know that movie I thought was good. It was just a little too long, and just you know Spike Lee sometimes doesn't know when to wrap it up. It feels like, yeah. But 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 with that movie and his role specifically, you know, he played the role of the of the fallen soldier who's they were trying to, you know, like he was the kind of the motivation of, of their mission, the reason why they had gone there. Um, and and he, so he, he played a dead man in his last role that I remember. And so that was like, you know, I don't know, just re- trying to reconcile that. You know, the last time I saw him in, in, in a movie, he was playing a dead man. Um, and all the all the while that he was giving us all of this good work, he was presumably, I guess you could say now, was a dying man, you know. Um, you wouldn't have said that then because you wanted to be encouraging, but obviously he was a dying man. And, um, man, I never considered that. I never considered that. It just it speaks to the fragility of life. Um, and uh, when I when I talk about how good of a brother this is, I wish I could remember exactly where this clip was from, but our, our guy Brandon Caldwell had tweeted this out, this YouTube video of, him just talking about purpose and um, just kind of just being real motivational and speaking to people and saying how your your purpose isn't just your job. You know, um, it's not, it, as a matter of fact, it's not your job. Your purpose is just like, you know, how you impact the people around you and what you do with what you got. Um, I mean, he's just a good dude, man. So you, you hate to see a truly, what seems like at least a truly good person, um, not get to live out what you feel like their full potential should have been. Who are we to say what somebody's full potential is? Because he gave us plenty. Yeah. Uh, you know, d- damn us if we if we felt like we deserve more than what he gave us. But uh, but yeah, man, I feel what Figgy said. Like I like I lost a friend, and uh, even though I've never met this man, do not know this man, um, but um, his characters resonated with me. Real quick on Black Panther. Man, I saw Black Panther before I went through the whole Marvel Universe, and it was because of Black Panther. Mm-hmm. When people hit me to the game, they were like, well, actually, and this is no shade on Black Panther, but they're like, that's maybe the third or fourth best movie in the whole catalog. Go go check out the catalog. Go look it up. Go look at it. And, and my cousin, who's a few years younger than me and uh, is a, a huge Marvel fan, is like a big comic book nerd. Today is his birthday. <laughs> Um, and so I hit him up and like, man, I know it's your birthday and I know this is kind of a shitty way to celebrate it, losing one of your heroes and everything, but it's because of him, him and a few other people, but he was one of the people that was like, nah, man, go look at the whole Marvel universe. I hadn't seen nothing but Iron Man and maybe I might've seen Ant-Man. Um, but I hadn't seen the whole, I hadn't followed the whole universe and it was because of that movie that I went and checked it out and uh, and I'm connected to it now, you know, my, me and my son watch all the movies um, from Black Panther to Thor to Captain America, Ant-Man, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, whatever it is. You know, I'm watching all those movies now and it's because of Black. If it hadn't been no Black Panther, I would have never known the movies existed, to be honest. With you. Yeah, man. And, and that's really what you spoke on about, you know, how he had been fighting this for so long. We had no idea he had been putting out all these movies. Um, I, I used to look the same way where Kobe's death really hurt me, but he wasn't my favorite basketball player. 
Chadwick Boseman wasn't necessarily my favorite actor. Um, I used to kind of clown the fact that he was just going to play every iconic black role there was, basically. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, they're just going to cast him. He's Jackie Robinson, James Brown, Thurgood Marshall, Black Panther. He's going to be everything. But now looking back, knowing what he knew at that time, I think he knew that his time was likely short. And he was trying to build a legacy uh, and, and just do as much as he could while he was still here. And knowing that, like, it, I understand it. It hurts now, man. Like, he... We don't have too many, you know, great black actors that were born here. You know, mm-hmm. he was from South Carolina, man. Yeah. Like American born and bred. So we don't have that in Hollywood much anymore. And yeah, he was too bright of a star, man. Uh, it, it just sucks, man. It's knowing what he was going through. Uh, I have mixed thoughts about the fact that he kept it secret for so long. I can respect the fact that uh, he probably didn't want people's pity. You know, some people, when they're sick, they don't want to feel like they don't want to be reminded that they're dying, you know, yeah. or, or people, people look feel at sorry say, for them. Uh, yeah, they don't want the pity. And I can respect that. I can respect why he kept it close to the chest. But I kind of wish we knew before he passed that it was coming just so he could know how loved he was. The last time we really saw him was that Instagram video where he's promoting that uh, charity on uh, Jackie Robinson Day, the real Jackie Robinson Day on April 15th. And he was promoting a, uh, a project to give, uh, you know, African-American people in, in rough neighborhoods access to medical equipment. And the number one takeaway from that on all the blogs was what what's going on with Chadwick Boseman? He's so skinny now. Mm. You know, people were making jokes, calling him, you know, Crack Panther, all this goofy shit. And people were, you know, the the uh, the uh, what's his name, Forrest Whitaker memes talking about he lost the spirit of the Black Panther. It's like, man, I just wish people had known so. I don't know. It's just rough knowing that that was the last time. The last thing he heard from the fans was really a lot of shade and goofy ass jokes that definitely wouldn't have been made if we really knew what he was dealing with. Mm-hmm. So I just hope he knew how loved and respected he was by the fans. I hope he knew that this hurt all of us, even if you weren't a big fan like me or a huge fan. You know, I respect what Black Panther did for the culture. And like Brandon said, it brought so many people out who had never even watched a comic book movie. It was it was an event, man. Yeah. When Black Panther hit. It was an event like I had never seen black people get ready for. Like it reminded me of, I don't know, some classic black exploitation movie that came out back in the day that black people would get hype over. But we were never alive for. So we don't even know what that would be like. Yeah. You know what it was? You know what it was? Bracket. It was Essence Festival at the movie theater. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it was the Essence Festival at the movie, dude. That's how, that's yeah. how I felt. Yeah. That's how I felt. Yeah, man. Hey, can I, hey, let me make a real quick point, though, on what you said about him playing all of those roles. Because I think, because I thought the same thing. It was like, man, so, so that's what, that's what it's going to be, huh? That's going to be the, uh, that's going to be the lane, which is cool, man. If you, you find your lane, you find something that grew for you. You ain't got to explain it to me. Go ahead and do your thing. But, uh, I was reading an interview that he had done, um, where where he talked about 
not wanting to be, not thinking that it's fair that he had to be like the one or one of the few black movie stars of the time, you know, like, like, and I, I think that the whole, these, these same roles that he's getting, I think is more emblematic of like how Hollywood gets down because them only, them the only damn movies, it's very possible that that was the best he could do, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that, that, that was the best that Hollywood was able to offer for whatever reason. Um, and I think that's a shame. And then on top of that, the fact that it ain't enough room doesn't always seem to be until recently, actually, like with his generation and, and, and after it, like what we're, what we're seeing now with black actors, it seems like there is more room and more places to put things on screen. Um, but, but th- that was his contention. Like this, this not right that you could have, you know, all the, you know, Chris Hemsworth and Chris, all of the Chris's, but you can't have more than one Chadwick Boseman. You know, you can't have more, uh, more black movie stars at once, you know, and he, he spoke out against that and, and was like vehement about changing that. Um, and you know, Black Panther clearly, I think, you know, is, is going to go down as a movie that played a significant role in doing that. But, uh, but yeah, it seemed corny at the time, but, uh, but you also got to keep in context of, the limitations of, of black Hollywood, you know, yeah. which, is, which is kind of a, a, a sad, a sad topic in and of itself, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I'm sure he would have like, he would have tackled any role. He was talented enough to take oh, anything, yeah. but you know, you got to make your money. You got to go for the big biopics if you can. So I understand it. And, and yeah, looking back, just knowing that he was sick, knowing that he was going through chemotherapy and surgery and like, it just puts everything into a whole new context where I don't want to say I pitied him, but I, I just really respect him as being a warrior now, man, mm-hmm. because doing those press runs, dude, like it's ex- press runs are exhausting for regular people, let alone hiding the fact that you're very sick. And if you're coming off of chemotherapy, you could probably barely walk. <laughs> So knowing he was going through all that and still, you know, putting on the proud face, still, you know, doing doing interviews, taking selfies with people, like like being as kind as he was, it, it's it's really touching, man, and, and it yeah. really hurts. We we lost a great one here. So yeah, I can I can't believe how um how this stayed a secret for so long because shoot, re, uh, when did Black Panther come out? Like two years ago. I want to say 2017. 2017. Yeah. Was it 2018? 2018, yeah. Well, yeah, right? Yeah, 2018. Was it 2018? 2018, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know what? Was it 2018? Yeah, 2018. 2018, yeah. Yeah. And I know he played more roles before that, but I felt like, I felt like Black Panther was his coming out party. That was his, oh shit. Like that's when he was, you could probably say he was the biggest, uh, actor at that time, the hottest actor at that time. He was the flavor of the month during that time. He was everywhere. He was on SNL. He was on different talk shows and all over the place. He, he was surprised fans at the little screenings. Yep. And you know he was, the, he, he was, he was a star of the All Star game. Yeah, uh, yep, yeah. Victor Oladipo all, put on all, that mask. All Star weekend. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. It's just like I, I just can't believe that you know that that was kept a secret all that time. You know, and he and, and I guess he was diagnosed with it in 2016. So just think about all the work he put in from that point until you know now. 
it, it, I don't, it was just unbelievable, man. Like that dude was super strong, man. And I, I, I wish I, I know a lot of people did appreciate him, but I wish we would have appreciated him more. And I'm sure we would if we would have knew the circumstance. And and that's sad that he even takes that, man. Unfortunately, that's human nature. We don't really appreciate anything until it's not here anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and I said that with Kobe, but I, I really do make strides now. Like, I don't, even when I see shit I don't like, I, I just try to let it go, man. <laughs> I try to let people have their fun now um, and, and appreciate what we have while it's here because you really never know. Yeah. And also, it motivates me to stay healthy. I ain't been to the doctor in a minute, man. But from what we know of colon cancer, you think that's something that'll affect you in your 50s and up? This man was probably in his, he was diagnosed at like 39. Yeah. With stage three. Yeah. So he probably had it in his mid 30s. Now mm-hmm. I'm almost in my mid 30s now, too. So. Yeah. And they, yeah. they, they usually don't tell you to get a colonoscopy. Until you're like 40. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, 50, somewhere around there. But I guess it's up to, you know, us, especially black men to, you know, check up on that early exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. I'm because, motivated to that. I ain't been to the doctor in a minute, man, but I got to schedule an appointment because, yeah, you just never know, man. And yeah. Never know I, how much time you have. Forget the stat that I don't, so I don't want to misspeak, but, um, but a lot of the colon, colon cancer diagnosis do happen under 50 um, and doesn't really get talked about a lot, but um, apparently it's actually a little bit more common than we might even realize. I don't have, like I said, I don't have an exact stat in front of me, but it's definitely something like you got to like be mindful of, especially like, like for us, when we start to get in our third, like we're in our thirties, you know, and when we're in our twenties, we don't think about none of this yeah. shit, mm-hmm. but in your thirties, it's like, okay, well, you're approaching your forties, you know, at what point do you start taking these matters seriously? You know, um, and, and I'm not saying that he did or didn't or, or why whatever happened to him happened. It just seems like just terrible, uh, luck for him, you know, cause I mean, like I said, it seemed like a, otherwise, you know, it had everything going for him, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, man, it definitely make you think about your own mortality for sure. Or at least for me, you know, and I, I do think it's an unfortunate, a true stereotype that a lot of black people just don't like going to the doctor, period, man. Like, mm-hmm. I tell my mother all the time, and she's starting to get better at it now, uh, but my dad, he's getting a little better at it. But a lot of us think we're a Superman. Yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of us just don't want to go to the doctor because we're scared of bad news, but it's like the only way you can fix it is if you know. Yeah. So I think that's something we uh, definitely have to get a whole lot better at and uh, uh, going to the doctor, getting regular checkups, because yeah, you got to catch this shit early, man. Yeah. You know, no matter what, what the technological advances, if you get something in the late stages, as usually it. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely got to keep up on. That. Yeah, it's no shame in going to get a checkup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need to make that, you know, normalize I, that. Yeah, normalize. Yeah, I'm sick of that term. <laughs> Me <laughs> too. <laughs> I hate that I even use it sometimes. But y'all don't want to have that discussion over those. Yeah. Normalize that, but y'all don't want to have that discussion instead of just having the discussion. Get the hell out. Oh, man. man. Uh, man. So, yeah, RIP R. Chad with Bozeman, man. We're going to miss you. 
And, uh, like I said, I, I just hope he knew how beloved he was, um, really worldwide, but especially among the black community who we don't see too many of our own kind up on the big screen, uh, doing it like he was. So RIP, man, yeah. that's, that's that a was really so, tough one. It was, man, I, I was just thinking about, because remember we did the podcast after we seen Black Panther. Yes. Like when I tell you, it was, it was, I mean, I ain't go to the crazy movie theaters where people was all decked out and, you know, look like it was coming to America. But, um, like just the vibe in that movie theater, man. Like you seen a lot more black people, um, uh, with the shirt, some hat, my, uh, my wife yeah. wore a daishiki. <laughs> so just, <laughs> just the whole vibe of that, you know, just to go see a movie, like what other movies? Do you know that you got to dress up and try to, you know, kind of impress just to see this movie outside of like the Star Wars? Yeah, or the people normal... do goofy shit like that for Star Wars. At least yeah. they used to, but then they started making a new Star Wars every year, so no, nobody cares anymore. <laughs> yeah. But as far as black people movies, like I can't think of one really in our lifetime, man. <laughs> what? They have people wearing them straight out of Compton t-shirts to the straight out of Compton. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I forgot to do oh, that. Oh, shit, you're right. The fucking, the Biggie movie was like that, too, yeah. apparently in some places. Yeah. Yeah. The Tupac movie probably had people wearing headbands and shit. <laughs> yeah, the N.W.A. movie, yeah, they, they yeah. did have people. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't like this, though. It wasn't on this level yeah. at all. Like, and it you was know like, what I'm saying? It was like everybody had to go see this movie, too. Like if you didn't People see this movie, something was yeah. Like if you didn't see this movie, something was wrong with you. <laughs> like even like it, and you mentioned it, um, um, Brandon. A lot of people wasn't comic book movie people, and you know I was already into it, so I was gonna go regardless. But this one just took it to a whole another level, mm-hmm. where I I noticed people wanted to see um the um the Avengers after that. To, mm-hmm. you know to catch up on the storyline to see what happened exactly so, exactly. so exactly. It, yeah it it definitely brung uh, i mean i'm sure it had the black community before in marvel but this really brung a black community to it <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and like i said it i was motivated to go catch up on like the nuances of the movie that i was missing out on having not seen all the marvel movies you know like <laughs> like i literally had seen like but I hadn't even seen Captain America, so I literally just basically seen Iron Man <laughs> and knew nothing about the, how the story had progressed from then all the way to Black Panther. And, you know, I didn't know nothing about how Civil War played. So, like, that context, not having that, this was a good enough movie and performance for me to be like, okay, I'm not trying to be a fraud or nothing like that. I'm just legitimately interested in something that I just hadn't took no interest in before, trying new things. And it turned out I loved it. You know, it's like, oh, well, I, what have I been missing out on? This is This, is, this shit is awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, man, I, I appreciated that, man. Like, like, and, and as far as like, I was going to mention this too, because y'all talks about the movie theater. It's another reminder for me, just listening to y'all talk. It's a reminder for me, like what COVID took from us. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I can't tell you when the next time it, it, it'll be, um, that I'll be in a movie theater. Like, I honestly don't know. Um, and certainly not with like a crew with a bunch of people. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I can't tell you. And, and like that takes me back to a time when that was a thing that we would do. We might get with a crew. I went. In, I think I saw Black Panther three or four times in the theater because I went with with different people. You know, I went with, my, you know, I went with my wife. I went with my uh, with my work friends. I think I went with uh, I took the kids, the kids and some other kids. I went three or four times for different 
crowds, you know, um, and I might not ever do that again. Go see a movie multiple times with multiple crews. Uh, real, uh, real quick before we leave Black Panther, uh, what do y'all think they're going to do with Black Panther 2? Because I think that was, if I'm not mistaken, in the works or confirmed. Yeah. So I, it was I don't, confirmed. Okay, yeah, I don't know how much they recorded or or started, you know, working on it, but I wonder what they're going to do as far as that. So Black Panther two was confirmed for twenty twenty two. I believe Coogler's back directing it. Um, I don't think the script is even finished. They haven't filmed at all, um, and if they were going to film this year, COVID pushed that all back. So. Yeah, nothing's been filmed. Um, I, I, my, in my opinion, I, I think it should be canceled. Um, just out of respect and the fact that, okay, you, you really can't tell this story without Chadwick Boseman because you can't just say, well, he died, the Black Panther died off screen and we just, that's it, you know? So what they're going to do, and Disney has the money because they've done this already with Carrie Fisher who played Leia in Star Wars, she didn't film anything for that new movie. What they had to do was basically recreate her in CGI and use some deleted scenes and kind of recreate that role with a fake uh, Carrie Fisher mm. because she was already in the script. She was too important. They couldn't just write her out. Mm. But the way they did that shit was so stupid. The way she died in the movie was so stupid that I kind of wish they didn't do it. And I think that's what they're going to have to do with Chadwick if they go ahead with Black Panther 2. Mm. They, they would have to make a CGI uh, Chadwick Boseman. And I don't want to see that, man. Like, I think that's a little disrespectful. I can understand the intentions are good. You want to, you know, you want to represent the original cast. But I feel like they should cancel the movie, wait a few years, and, and do it like they do Batman, you know. Mm bringing up with a new Black Panther. I know it's not going to be the same, but like a lot of people play different superhero characters, man. It happens. Yeah. And, and somebody will be able to take over the role. I'm not saying it's going to be as good or as iconic, but it got to redo the whole thing for me to respect it because I just yeah. don't want to see the CGI uh, Chadwick Boseman up. Yeah. That, that's I, just how I feel about I it. I think the good, th the, the good part about it is they did wrap up the whole Avengers thing. Yeah. You know, we we got our ending. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know where Black Panther 2 was going. Maybe it would have just I, been like a, you know, Spider-Man homecoming or not homecoming, but the, the latest Spider-Man when he far was from home. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it, it was going to be something like that. Maybe the after effect. But I think I think it would be a lot easier going forward now than it was no. if they didn't record um, Endgame or Infinity War. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Fig. Like, the fact that there's some closure and clarity on the, the you know, the, the the Avengers, that they did that, that we got in-game, I think makes it a lot easier to pivot and maybe do some of those, like, just, you know, like, didn't you say, Rocket, the script hasn't even been written? Like, yeah. you know, like, you've got Black Panther as the superhero, but what... The movie did, and, and I guess Endgame to a degree as well, has introduced us to Wakanda. And so, like, we have a whole country to, you know, a whole fictitious country to write around. You know, what's, is it Siri? What's the sister's name? 
Like, I don't know. Shuri. Shuri. Like, there are, I mean, I don't know how you make it, you know, as good as Black Panther or live up to the expectations that you might have. And to that point, it could be better to do like what Rocky said and cancel it. But I feel like there could be a creative way to write a story and tell a story, a Wakandan story that doesn't have T'Challa in it, but somehow either memorializes him or, you know, I, I don't write scripts, but like, I think that there's somebody who could pull it off and there's enough, there's enough, there's enough substance in Wakanda to perhaps even write a story, um, that, um, that works. I don't know. Um, but, but like you said, Fig, it is good that the end game happened and that we've got some closure on those stories. The ones that the Black Panther movie that T'Challa or that, uh, that Chadwick is, is directly connected in that there's closure to those. This whole black, like you said, we don't know where Black Panther 2 was going. I don't even know if they know where it was going. So like they can kind of sort of just reimagine what Black Panther is now, you know, after Endgame and after Chadwick's death. So. RIP to, uh, Chadwick Bozeman and Cliff Robinson. Uh, very unfortunate. Yeah. So let's get into other things that happened. Then, as I mentioned, the revolution has been sparked. Um, it started now, apparently, <laughs> according to whoever you want to ask, because um, after, of course, uh, the, the killing of Jacob Blake, he was shot in the back by a police officer. I'm sure if you want to see the video, you've probably seen it already. Um, of course, very reminiscent of the George Floyd situation as well. Um, a lot of people are upset, especially black Americans. Uh, the, the NBA bubble has come to a halt because of it. Um, Milwaukee Bucks and Orlando Magic did not play their playoff game. I think it was initially sparked by the Bucks, who um, sat out, and then it kind of reverberated throughout the entire sports world. Um, all, all NBA games were canceled or postponed. Uh, WNBA as well, MLB games, uh, Astros and Athletics did not play, as well as other teams. So it's kind of reverberated. And it produced the takes that you would expect, unfortunately, on Twitter with some people, you know, some people agreeing with the players, some people saying that this does nothing. And some people, I'm a little critical about the fact that it was a little bit of a pump fake because uh, you're just basically postponing games for a, a couple of days. But at the same time, it is raising a discussion that needs to be had. And I also have to say, man, when the Jacob Blake thing first happened, I was seeing a whole lot of NBA highlights and fucking discussions and not all, the energy was not the same as when the George Floyd thing happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I was seeing a whole lot of sports takes on the timeline when the Jacob Blake thing first happened. So I do have to agree that sports are a distraction from things like this. I think the players realize that as well. That's why they sat out and postponed these games. So what is y'all's reaction? We'll start with you, Brandon, because you were, of course, uh, work for 610. You cover the Astros and, and really all the sports teams around here. And you were there when the Astros, Astros decided to not play. So what is your take on these uh, protests, boycotts, whatever you want to call it, and, and how it reverberates throughout the all these leagues that we're seeing right now? So I think the main takeaway is that the like the players 
you know, everybody wants to talk about what are the players asking for and what do they what do they want to happen. And I think the main takeaway is that like whatever they're asking for, they're just tired of it being the way that it is. And that at some point they looked up and just didn't feel right. Like that's that's the way it came across to me. Like if you go back and look at what happened with the Bucks, okay, with the Milwaukee Bucks deciding not to play, I believe it was Wednesday against the Magic. Well, I remember earlier in the day, and maybe even the day before, it w- it had been the Toronto Raptors that had been rumored to be discussing not playing, talking about not playing. And then you start getting the reports about the Yanks in the bubble and how people feel isolated and how, you know, it's like, oh, poor billionaires. But f- f- for whatever reason, they just didn't feel right. They don't feel right in there and what they're doing. And, like, I have an appreciation for that because, like, some days – you know, whatever, whether it's the news or something happening in your personal life or or combination of those things, you feel like you just don't really feel like doing it. You know, you don't feel like going out there. But that was my main takeaway that it felt like from an initial standpoint that the Bucks, I don't think they planned it out throughout the day. Like this was a, this was like a, a huge statement that they were really trying to make. I think that they, you know, George Hill, it sounds like was the, was the main guy for the Bucks that was like, hey, you know, we shouldn't play today. And um, and eventually they realized, not eventually, but they realized what kind of statement it would make if they didn't play. But it came across to me as just kind of being fed up, you know. Like, they came back to the bubble. They're doing all of these games. So, like, they're clearly there for a reason, mainly to make this money. But, I mean, like, they've clearly agreed to do this. And since all of this happened, everybody's kind of agreed to come back and play and everything like that. But I think they were just taking a moment to really, like, reflect and to just speak out and say, hey, you know what? We are not okay right now. We are not okay with how things are. We don't feel right. We don't feel okay. Uh, We're performers and don't feel like we don't feel performative at the moment. Um, And, I like, I feel that. You know, and I'm not, I wasn't mad at that at all. I didn't feel like there needed to be a long-term plan or solution, especially from athletes, um, because, you know, their their strength and their avenue toward the people is their fame and their exposure and, and visibility, which is why it does make sense to play. It's why it does make sense to be out there to some to some degree. But, like, they, they're not drafting legislation. Uh, they, don't, they, don't, they don't swing a gavel. You know, like they don't have none of that, you know, like they just have their voices and their visibility and all they can do really is talk and, and, and at the very least try to talk to the right people. And I think we saw some of that, you know, um, with them getting on the phone with the eight, uh, I think they got on the phone with the Wisconsin AG and Lieutenant yeah. Governor, like, and, and really, I mean, I don't know how productive that is, but it's a start, damn it, you know, um, you know, it's, it's better than, like if you want to talk about empty gestures, that, that that's that's not one. You know, deciding not to play and instead calling your attorney general and lieutenant governor is not an empty gesture, whether whether it is productive or not. There's nothing empty about that. So uh, and so I think and then of course the rest of the leagues and or I should say teams and leagues and players after that, I think were inspired by it. And you know if you were like minded and felt sort of the way they felt, you understood it, you know? Um, and so I, I think, you know, I, this is an unprecedented time because for so long, these these things have been taboo or you try to avoid them. 
Um, that's where the whole sports are a distraction um, idea comes from is because people want them to be a distraction. And that was why I, I pushed back against the sports are a distraction because I guess I was speaking for myself because I've been able to multitask the entire time. You know, I love sports. I watch sports. Um, I'm probably going to turn on the game in a little bit. But um, but I, I pay attention to these very important things as well. So, But for some people, it is a distraction on purpose. And I don't know how you reach those people necessarily um, other than to not play or when you do play to put these messages out on the court and say what you got to say in your press conferences before you talk about how you switched on defense and whether you got enough offensive rebounds or some shit like that, you know, um, before we get all, before we get into any of that, you know, as we've seen many of them do justice for Breonna Taylor, black lives matter, justice for Ahmaud Arbery, and so on and so forth, Jacob Blake and so on and so forth. So, um, it was an uprising, man. And I think it was inspiring, man. I, I didn't feel like it needed to accompany, um, a big larger plan. Um, because that's this is, somebody has that job. There is there is somebody whose job that is, and most of them we voted for. Um, you know what I mean? Or, or or the people we voted for then employed the people who have power. You know what I mean? Those are the ones that I feel like the players are trying to speak to. Um, the people who write their checks, um, and those are the people I think we need to be holding accountable when it comes to oh well, what happens next. You know, we look at look within, look at yourself, and then also look at the people in power. Like I think those are the main people to be asking questions of. Very well said, man. Um, Figgy, of course, you are a uh, sports radio producer, so you got the unfortunate job of having to take a lot of these calls <laughs> from angry white folks during this time. Yeah. So, man, what is your take on all this, man? Uh, how did you feel when the boycotts first started happening in? And kind of going on and on. Uh, when when if when I first found out about it, um, I was actually I, I actually respected it, man, because I know during the times when um, I guess players were um, you know deciding not to play in the league just before the bubble, like I'm, it was a lot of people just kind of oh let me follow this, let me follow that, like that's I I always respect the NBA, man, because. They always the first ones in line to, you know, do this. Now, it, it could backfire. You never know. But to me, I respect them at least doing this, at least for the first couple days, for the simple fact that, hey, we not about to, you know, we, you know, we got these, we got these Black Lives Matter t-shirts. We got this on the court. We got the names on the back and the same shit keep happening. So let's take it a step further and let's, you know, let's piss people off, man, because I, I, I got a lot of calls saying, hey, let's, you know, stay, you know, play basketball. We don't want to get into all that. Y'all can do it a different way. Like, no, this this is the best. This is their platform. People always talk about how they have a platform where they can do it themselves. This is their platform. This is the number one stage for players to, you know, do something during the game or not play to, you know, t to bring awareness. We, we keep getting a lot of people saying, Hey, you know, you could do it a different way. No, th th no, this is the best way for them to do it. Um, to not play a game that, you know, it is what it is. Now we sitting here talking about it because I guarantee we would not be talking about this on the radio if they decided to, you know, do this on their off time or leave the bubble to, you know, fight the good fight. 
we would not be talking about that, but it's, it took for them to not play a playoff game, a, a pivotal playoff game <laughs> to, to bring awareness to this, to get people actually talking about this, having that conversation because, you know, once they got back to the bubble after the first couple games, then we, we wasn't talking about this. We was talking about the actual games. We was talking about what they need to do to, you know, pick up this W and who needs to play, who needs to step up. We wasn't talking about the issues. So to me, this, you know, once Jacob Blake was, you know, shot seven times, I felt like they had to, you know, I felt like they felt they needed to do something else. These T-shirts are not working. Uh, you know, I don't want to say just white folks, but these white folks look past the Black Lives Matter shirts. You know, they, they cool as long as the game, you know, as long as they playing basketball. So, you know, they took it a step further and decided not to, you know, play tonight. So I respect it a lot, man. And, you know, just throughout this whole week, it's been hard. You know, listening to different callers, and you, y'all, y'all know I'm I'm the producer for the midday show, so I got to take most of these calls. I can't hang up. I can't give them my real opinion, or I can't tell them, nah, you, you know, get out of here. But a lot of the uh, what what I realize is a lot of people just won't ever get it. They they don't want to get it, or they ever they they never get it. A lot of people feel like, oh, with you know, just listen to the cops. Oh, you know, stop resisting and all this. It's, it's, it's not even about that. Like we, we seen the white boy, the 17 year old white boy walking around with an AR 15 fully loaded who, who actually killed two people. And you hear, you hear the, you know, the cops at the press conference saying that wouldn't have happened if, you know, they wouldn't out past their curfew. Like you hear shit like that, man. That's one of the reasons you see players not wanting to play. And so I don't, I really don't understand when people say, hey, you know, do this another way or, you know, stop bringing it to sports. No, it's in, it's, it's in, it's here. It's here. And at the end of the day, these players are humans. They're not robots where you can, you know, they just play sports and that's it. All these players, you know, most of these players are black. They have families too. You know, we are all the same. They're just, you know, celebrity basketball players. So for, for people to say, oh, don't bring it to that. No, like I, look, I, I know we joke around about LeBron James only reading the first page of every single book and that's it. But I respect LeBron for even using this platform <laughs> because remember back in 2006, was it 16? Uh, back when Kaepernick started kneeling. A lot of people wasn't doing that. A lot of people wasn't using their platform because they were scared that they will get blackballed or, you know, they will lose a lot of money. But now we in the day and age where, you know, they don't care about that shit. So, I, you know, I applaud everybody who, you know, stepping up to the plate and using their platform. I agree, man. That's well said as well. Um, my take on it, well, of course, I started off seeing the Jacob Blake video. Um, it's very disturbing, very sad, um, made me angry, of course. But also, you know, I- I'm also a realist, and I know that as long as we have police and as long as they're policing these poor communities and as long as the police will basically accept anybody 
into their ranks who wants to do the job, this shit's going to happen. You know, we found out years ago that the FBI did an investigation and found that, you know, white supremacist organizations had infiltrated local law enforcement on every level. You know, we, we've been known about this, man. So it, it, I, it was very, un, I want to say it's unsurprising, but it was still very disturbing to me, the video itself. Um, and like I said, the energy was different this time when the, the video was first circulating because I saw a whole lot of sports takes. I saw a whole lot of LeBron versus this, that, and this, that. Undisputed Skip Bayless says this about LeBron, blah, blah, blah. And the energy changed when uh, the Bucks sat out. Um, I will honestly say I was very surprised that – they sat out the playoff game. I heard that was circulating. I heard the Bucks were upset, especially George Hill uh, during the post-game interview when he said, you know, I don't even know why we're here. You know, we thought we could make a change, but, you know, it kind of feels like we're wasting our time. And I, I've been critical about what the NBA has done, these league-approved uh, ways to show, um, uh, to bring awareness, quote-unquote, because I feel like they're kind of taking the easy way out, writing Black Lives Matter on the court, having league-approved messages on the back of your jersey, goofy things that say, like, love us and equality and stuff like that. It's like that, that that's a kindergarten type of, of, of protest to me, man. I feel like you have to make people intentionally uncomfortable if you want to have the real discussions. And, and to me, the NBA's display was kind of toothless. You know, they, they, I think they did to make the players feel better about themselves, but I don't think it did anything to really promote the discussion because I was still seeing the same NBA season discussions and takes on talk shows. And it was basically business as usual as far as I saw. So I, I thought it was going to be all talk. I thought all the games were going to go on as usual. I was very surprised when the Bucks sat out. I was very surprised the game got postponed. I was very surprised that the players had a meeting afterwards and LeBron was the one who said we should just destroy let's just go home. This ain't working. He was about to destroy the bubble. I was very surprised at that because he was the main one, one of the most vocal ones, saying they should keep the season going. In During the first the pandemic. place, <laughs> yeah. when Kyrie was one of the only voices saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't even be playing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, LeBron was the main leading voice saying, no, we got to continue the season. So to hear that, I'm like, maybe he got further into the book than we thought. <laughs> because he was saying, like, nah, let's shut the whole shit down. Man. This ain't working. Um, so, uh, of course, they, they have since reconciled. Um, I think they're working on some things with the owners to uh, help actually bring about some more substantial change, and the games will continue this weekend. Um, I, I I see both sides of it because people are being very critical about LeBron and people basically going back to usual, back to playing. I, I can see the side of, well, you're already this deep into it. You might as well finish it. But I also can see the side of, you know, you you did all this and then we're having the discussions, but then you're just going to go back to playing anyway. So um, I understand why they're playing, but I kind of wish – part of me wishes they didn't go back. 
you know, honestly. Part of me does. I kind of wish they stood their ground and said, no, not until you're not going to see me running and jumping for your entertainment <laughs> while this shit still goes on and people go unpunished and this man's paralyzed and his handcuffed to his bed. Mm-hmm. You know, so. See, I, I, I feel like the threat of not playing and knowing that now at any moment, right, they might not play. Uh, now that they've set that precedent, I think that there is value in that, honestly. And we got to be honest, too, like, you know, and, you know, you're you are the most pragmatic and like a just much of a realist. <laughs> they they got to play, man. They got to get this money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like even rich people got to work to stay rich to a large degree. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's not like they can not play or that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is not, it's not that you keep not playing and not, and, and progress have to conflict. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can make your statement and then at the same time, like be leaning on these people earlier in the week. Y'all, I was talking to Kenny Stills. We had, they, they made Kenny Stills available. The Texans did. And, uh, and I asked him straight up, man, like to your concern, Rocket, like, what do you think about the mainstreaming and the commercializing of the Black Lives Matter movement? Like, what do you think about that? Do you think that the mainstreaming of the, the movement is helping the movement or does it feel empty to you? And Kenny Stills, an athlete who is like actually tried to do some work in this matter said, honestly, I don't know. He's like, honestly, I do not know. And this is before, mind you, this is on Monday before. So two days before the NBA players start to make their move. And he says, you know, like we've got people in high places that can lean on other people in high places that can affect real change, that can make real change. And so that's what it's about for us. It's not just about marketing the movement and just saying things, you know what I mean? And so I think that, like, I'm not saying that the NBA players heard that, but they acted in line with, I feel like, in line with what Kenny was talking about. Like, whether we play or whether we don't play, you know, we need the owners, okay, and the lawmakers to listen and and to try to try to help us out here. Because all we can do is say what we got to say, you know, use our platforms. Like what Figgy, Figgy was talking about. They got these platforms. They're using them. I'm proud of that. But they ain't got much more than a platform, you know. They they can't really write the bill or pass it or uh, or make the arrest, right? Um, you know, they're, we can't. We can't get out here and be like the seventeen-year-old dude with the, uh, with the assault weapon and 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 out here to start exacting justice because we see we, we can yeah we can't do that you know that's not a, that's not a realistic for us as much as it is apparently for him so like this this limited what they could do they they need them to listen and whether they play or not they need to listen whether the players are getting paid or not they need them to listen so they might as well go out there and do their jobs. You know, if it, it does not feel right, I'm with you on that, Rocky. It feels off, right? Like you just, I, I wanted to ask this to Bill O'Brien when we had him earlier. They didn't call me for the question, but I was going to ask him, like, you know, you talk all this social justice, but man, do you feel off? Because I'll be feeling off sometimes, you know, when we start talking about sports as much as I love sports, especially when stuff like this happens, you know, 
Um, even though I'm passionate about sports, I feel off. Yeah. And, that's, and that's mainly because the sports are made primarily off of black bodies and we struggle to like acknowledge their humanity and personhood, you know? And so like, it just feels, you know, like it's exploitation. It feels yeah. off. Yeah. You know, but if we can, if we can have like the real conversation and start doing the real work, then we can carry on and have fun. It ain't got to be so, uh, you know, so, so the static ain't got to be so thick, you know, but like you said, you know, they get out there and this is the question I was asking Kenny, like, do you think it's empty gestures? It felt that way. Yeah, you know, yeah. like we, we want y'all to say black lives matter, but we also want you to mean it, mm -hmm. you know? So like, if you don't, you can keep it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't know, man, it just, it, it, it felt like for, for a change, they were actually trying to make something happen. Yeah. And, and it definitely has been over commercialized to the point where I think people are just saying it not to get in trouble. You know, say what you want about that Washington. I think it's the owner of the Mystics who came out and basically said she didn't agree with the Black Lives Matter organization. And she got everybody saying, I'm like, look, I don't agree with that at all, of course. But I'd rather you honestly, as a billionaire, say what you really feel instead of faking the empathy because you're scared of the backlash. Yeah. So my, my thing, yeah, it's definitely been commercialized. Um, but I, I'm, I am glad that they actually did go to these, this extreme. I didn't think they would even do that as far as sitting out games. Uh, but I, I also got to call out, you know, the calls to vote. I, I'm getting a little sick of this, man. <laughs> we, we've had, uh, black police chiefs. We've had black mayors. We've had black attorney generals now. We've had black Supreme Court justices and we've had a black president, two term black president. And we're still dealing with the same problems we've always been dealing with. Voting is not going to simply change this shit, man. Like it's systemic and it takes drastic action. I'm not saying I know exactly what that drastic action has to be, but voting is not worked generationally. It hasn't. We've had the same issues time and time again. So I'm not going to say voting is not important, but I don't want that to be seen. I'm sick of that being seen as the end all be all yeah. to all this. Yeah, people have been so, saying so, that for years. <laughs> and this, yes. it's, it seems like it's getting worse now. Yeah, well, so I, I, I hate nothing more than the voting bullying. Like, I'm not about to tell you the chance that's as far for you to vote and you need to vote. I'm, I'm, that's not going to ever be my style. But part of the voting thing, I think, right now is more so of that being like part of the racism and the assault on black people is trying to keep us from voting. And like, I ain't going to never tell you to vote or not vote or nothing like that. That's your business. But I'd be damned if you can't vote or if you got to have an extra ID or some shit that you don't have to go try to do it. Yeah. And so like that that is a, like a, just another one of the weapons that they use to marginalize us. It's like say you black and you do like to vote and you do for whatever reason think that that's what's going to change the world. Well, more power to you, whatever. I don't agree. I'm with you, Rocket, honestly. But like that's part of the issue like and so like I get I get kind of where the NBA teams were coming from and making their arenas available mm -hmm. for like widespread voting like I I don't, I feel like that's probably the most they could do in terms of like the the the, the assault on voting rights goes deeper than just finding a venue, right? 
you know, it's gerrymandering and all the other shit that's boring and everything. But like, like I, I can, I can at least respect trying to make voting more accessible for people, the people that want to be civically engaged. You know, my whole thing about voting, I don't mind voting, man. Just give me somebody to fucking vote for. Yeah. Um, and I too often feel that way, you know, um, not to get into that tangent, but like, that's, that's kind of just how I view it. You know, like the voting's not the problem. It's just not having a candidate you can believe in, um, which would make, you know, a candidate that cares about these issues and is actually willing to put their neck out, their neck out there, to make shit like this happen. And you never really feel like you have it. Like in order to, to win an election, you almost have to massage how you feel about these types yes. type of things. And that tells you all you need to know about the system, you know, or a lot of what you need to know about the system that is not here for you. Very similar being a politician and working in sports radio. Um, you have to be very careful in who you supposedly offend or could offend by saying something. So much like Obama, Obama didn't make any like we we want the symbolism of Obama to be president. But Obama said from the get-go, like, I'm not president of black America. I'm president of America. He had to dial back. He had to massage the fears that he was going to come over and, and, and make black people su- supremely powerful and, and enact all these anti-white laws or whatever they were scared of when they thought he was going to, you know, be a tyrant. So, and they still and they still called him Hitler. They yes. fucking still called him Hitler for it after that. <laughs> the the mildest thing. Imagine that. The mildest, like just chillest of brothers that we could have found. Like, really, honestly, the least militant brother that you could find to elect as president. And they still fucking called him a, a yes. communist and, and Hitler and and all this other type of shit. And that's the, the that's my issue with it, man, because it's like you're never going to win over that crowd regardless. They're going to be scared of you because you black regardless. So, like, why why even try to ride the middle? Because you're going to upset the people who want more done for black people and you're going to upset the white people regardless. You know, because Joe Biden is like the most inoffensive candidate of all time. Honestly, he hasn't <laughs> said shit and they still think he's going to lead to ruin of america so like what what harm does does this at this point say fuck it we we gonna defund the police fuck it (laughs) just go out and say it because they don't think you're gonna do it anyway they Mm -hmm. already say you're gonna do that so fuck it just double down on it but whatever that's a whole other debate the whole politics shit so yeah whatever man yeah i got i got a question for you we'll see how this oh go ahead go ahead oh no i got a question for y'all so go ahead so with the um, so with the Astros obviously you know postponed their game, and then you know the Rockets postponed their game. Do y'all think anything will happen with the Texans playing the Chiefs? Because mind you, this is the first game of the year for uh, for the NFL. I'm I'm not sure what they plan on doing, but uh, do you think any type of cancellation is in in the works or maybe in in, in their brains? So, so I could tell you from earlier in the day, the first question, John McClain, literally the first question he asked Bill O'Brien is, have y'all thought about not playing that season opener in Kansas City? And you know, O'Brien's got to be a politician about it, but he said anything is possible. You know, 
Yeah, so that leaves that leaves the door open for like I feel like anything. So I, I, I will be shocked because I think what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks, what you're going to see is in the NFL. I feel pretty confident saying the NFL is banking on this, but <laughs> what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks is the same thing that happened after George Floyd. You know, barring something else happening, right? Like that would be that would be the flashpoint and the and the issue that the league would have to figure out how they're going to reckon with. But if this thing can blow over and look, I'm not saying that for my I don't like to talk like that. Like let this blow over. That's not me talking, okay? But from their perspective, if they look at it like this thing blows over and hopefully two weeks from now people forget about it and you know maybe we can maybe we can play. But I you know I think it's gonna be up to the players, you know, like how do they feel about it, you know? Um the the players met the Texans met after they did that scrimmage at NRG on Thursday, I think it was. And they met. We don't know what, what was said and what exactly they talked about. But Kenny Steele spoke. J.J. Watt spoke. I think Deshaun spoke. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I can tell you that Kenny Steele thinks sports are a distraction. And I, I still really couldn't make much sense of what he was trying to say as to why he decided to come back. Because you can tell, like, whatever is worth now like you know I, yeah look he he is not he's not there and, and yeah. it doesn't i don't feel like he really wants to be there yeah i watched um, and i don't I watched that, him for it, yeah i know? watched that press conference his last press conference and i was like wow he looked like he's not even in the mood he uh he reminded me yeah of, man he, he reminded me of somebody else i forgot who who it was but they wasn't in the mood to talk and it was like why am i here i think it was george hill I forgot who it was. It might have yeah. been George Hill, but um, but yeah, with Kenny, like he kind of reminded me of that. He was just like, man, like I don't know, and 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 at that moment, I'm like, all these questions, like y'all y'all can't ask him a football question at this point. Like he, I could tell. I was hoping nobody we asked him. Yeah, we I, I was hoping nobody <laughs> did because he ain't give a shit about football. And I, I thought at that moment he probably was going to opt out. Yeah, yeah, man. And I think it's funny, too, that uh, we're not funny, but a little odd that, you know, when Bill O'Brien was asked about did Kenny talk about opting out, he said that they never talked about opting out. And then when you heard Kenny talk, maybe he didn't talk to O'Brien about it, you know. But it's hard to come away from that press conference and feel like this man didn't that it didn't weigh heavily on him whether to just talk about coming out there to play football um and then he and then he had some kind of, they said he had an ill I wondered too about that too the the non-football illness that they said he had they put him on like an illness list or something because he hadn't been practicing when they first got out there mm-hmm. um I, I just wonder what is all of that like and when you got people like that on your team I mean I think it's in play man and and that would be honestly way more powerful than anything that we've seen yet. Yeah. Like the NFL is still king. Mm-hmm. Um, Dusty Baker last night talking about how baseball is still America's game. I love you, Dusty, <laughs> but we know better than that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's football, mm-hmm. and that being the game, the one game of the day and the yeah. season opener, the first game, the of first the year. NFL game post post COVID too. Um, mm-hmm. Like people have been starving for it. I don't know if you can send a bigger message than to not play that game. I don't know. 
it's interesting. It's an interesting question because what an opportunity it would be, you know, to, as far as to send a message. Now, like we had a debate too about how big of an opportunity is it if you really if you go and just play the next game. But with football, the games are way more precious, man. You only get one a week, and you only get one season opener. Um, you only get one first football game post COVID, and uh, it's the defending champs the Chiefs against a team that they were bum rushed in the playoffs, you know, but two, but you got star. I mean, there are reasons for this to watch this game and to be compelled to watch this game. And then there are so many other reasons to not play it at all. You know, I like, I think anything like, I believe Bill, you know, when he says anything is in play uh, because you can believe I'll tell you this much. And maybe this is the benefit of what happened the other day. It's not going to be up to Bill O'Brien, you know, Mm-hmm. It's not going to be up to Bill O'Brien. I don't think it's going to be up to Cal McNair uh, to decide where the Hunts or whoever or uh, who is it that owns the Chiefs. Is it the Hunts? I might have that. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, whoever yeah, is yeah. owns the Chiefs. It's, 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 it's not going to be up to them. You know, it's going to be up to the players. To the players deciding what they want to do and what how they want to use this moment. Like, do you just want to take a knee or, or hold hands and? Do some of that corny shit that uh, that Jerry Jones was doing, and like, you know what I mean? Or do you want to really make a statement? And I think, I think very much differently than in basketball and in baseball. One game, especially that game, would matter. Would be very significant. They could easily come back and say, "Okay, we're gonna play the rest of the season now." But how you like that? Yeah. You know, yeah. and now, Hunts and Kyle McCarthy and whoever else name you want to put out there. Now y'all can go talk to your buddies, you know, um, enough, enough conversations for change and us having conversations with, with just us black people and us telling you how we feel, you know, how we feel now. And you say you agree or, 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 or have empathy. I should say, you say you are empathetic to what we're telling you about So go out there and talk to the people that can do something about it. Mm-hmm. It, it, it should be yeah, it should be um, real interesting too because you got two black quarterbacks, and uh, remember yeah. the and, and then remember the Chiefs. They um I think they're supposed to have fans in the crowd. I think what fifty percent twenty two twenty two percent capacity, which yeah. whatever the how they ever the hell they came up with that twenty two percent capacity. Yeah, and I think right right now I think it's um I I guess it's safer. For them to, you know, not play last minute like this, as far as like the NBA and the MLB, because it's no fans in the stands. But it will be really <clears> interesting <throat> to see these fans. I mean, you have these fans there, and then last minute they decide, you know, nah, I'm cool. <laughs> like it, it's gonna be, I, 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 it's gonna be really interesting to see the fans' reaction to this, because I guarantee if it was a full crowd. And, you know, they decide not to play. You, you will get some mixed reactions to it. And I, I'm not sure how people re, will, uh, react to each other in the, in the stands, but yeah, I think right now what the NBA did, I think it was pretty safe doing it during this time instead of, you know, when it's an arena full of people. They will 100% play. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. The NFL is different, man. I'm sorry, but it is. <laughs> um, it's one thing for an NBA team of like 11 or so to get on the same accord. 
um, a lot harder for a team of 53 or so, plus the coaches and all that, to uh, do the same. Uh, I 100% believe that uh, the 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 NFL union is, of course, the players union, of course, the weakest of all unions, you know, because the players don't, they, they can't stay strong together on uh, even the simple things, it seems like. Um, I feel like even if, say, a Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes decide to not play, they would still play this game. They would have a game with backup quarterbacks because the NFL is just different. There's a lot more people with a lot less to lose or a lot more to lose or a lot of people who need those game checks to survive. Um, Look, if the NFL, I feel like the NFL, a pandemic can't even stop the NFL. (laughs) You know, that like you said, they are the only league that are actually having fans in the stadium. Everybody else empty stadiums. The NFL is the only one who said, fuck COVID, you know, we going to let y'all have people in the stands if y'all want to. You know, the NFL will continue no matter what single players do, no matter what the Kaepernick thing happened, and now they say they regret how they handled it, but they really don't. You know, they're glad he's out of here. He's still, they, they pump faked on the whole, we have teams looking at Kaepernick, because what's the last you heard of that? Mm-hmm. You know, no, nobody picked him up. Nobody worked him out. That shit blew over. So I think you will see players demonstrate. I think you might even see some sit out and say, no, I'm not playing. You will not see an entire team of 53 people say we're not playing. Yeah, There's a backup quarterback who would kill the starting quarterback to get that job. So you definitely know he ain't going to sit out and, and risk what he perceives to be his career by by sitting out for racial injustice. So, no, the NFL's playing, man. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. Do, do you, yeah. The NFL's playing. Do, do you think, um, like, I know it's, I know uh, a lot could happen in a couple weeks. So, you know, like one of y'all said, they might not even be talking about um, um, Jacob Blake <laughs> at yeah. this time. We might be, you know, back to sports or whatever. But I wonder if, if the NFL game was this weekend, let's say they were starting tomorrow, I wonder would they consider, you know, postponing it to next week or something like that? I wonder would they even have that conversation or even come close to even canceling it? I think they would have a conversation. I don't think they would cancel it. Again, like the NFL is just weaker, man. Riley Cooper got an extension. You don't think that locker room wanted his ass out of here? <laughs> Fucking the the Lakers shipped D'Angelo Russell out because he snitched on Nick Young. Like they they had to get him out that locker room for that. But yeah. people like Riley Cooper got an extension. You think the team wanted him there? Like they couldn't do shit. They like nah, y'all got to deal with him. He said sorry, sorry guys. Like they they are not. The locker room is not as strong. They are not as unified. Uh, like they they are a team on the field. But off the field, you see what Drew Brees did. You see how there was never even a conversation about getting him out of New Orleans. Yeah, or yeah, now, or, not even entertaining that. Or even look at Brian Erlacher, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Brian Erlacher talking. Like there's you Brian Erlacher pe- still in the league, definitely. <laughs> people with his mindset, and yeah. they're playing. Yeah. There are Trump people in the NFL who are gonna play. Yeah. So, yeah, no, nah, the the NFL is gonna play, man. I have no doubt. 
in my mind. <laughs> you know, you know what I think validates that point too. Uh, like the tangible piece of evidence that speaks to what you're saying, Ryan. Think about the fact that all of this, as all of this shit was happening, figure you know, because y'all were t- y'all were discussing this on your show. Are they gonna do a scrimmage, a bullshit scrimmage? Yes. At NRG Stadium, are they gonna do that? <laughs> and they didn't even cancel that. They didn't even cancel that, which would have been very easy and convenient. A lot of teams like, did around the league. A lot of the teams canceled practice. Right, exactly. And the Texans didn't. They could have done that. That would have been easy. That would have been convenient. And they could have just wiped their hands of it and said, okay, well, we, mm-hmm. we had our moment here where we canceled practice and now we don't even have to entertain the idea of whether we'll play on, uh, on, on the, for the season opener. So like the fact that they didn't do that, makes it seem like, well, why would you do this meaningless scrimmage in the moment preparing for what? For something that you might not even actually even be doing. You know, so I think it's I think it's possible because you still I mean, you still got a lot of black dudes on the team. Like what they you know what they can't do? They can't play without black people. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> At least so, not that same day. No, <laughs> no, no, no. If this becomes a whites only, uh, a whites only event, they're gonna have to plan around it. They're gonna have to totally replan the whole thing. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it might not even be worth the same type of TV level production that we thought it was gonna be. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. But so I think it's possible. But if you look at the fact that they actually uh, did that scrimmage. They did the scrimmage to get ready for the game, and they say they're going to do another one. What the hell are you scrimmaging for if you're not going to? And then they play the Chiefs at that. Yeah. You know, like they seem to very much be concerned with what happens with football. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't have much reason to believe that they won't, other than, you know, the fact that it's a lot of black people on the team. You know, which to me, that that's the wild part there. <laughs> it's like Major League Baseball did it. And it's teams that did it that didn't have a lot of black people on yeah, their team. Yeah. So a, a football team that does have two football teams, all football teams have a lot of black people on. Them. So you take two of those with a lot of black people. I don't know. I'm 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 intrigued to see what they come up with. You know. Man. I ho- I hope they do it, man, because I just want to piss more people off. Because it been so many people, it been so many people talking about how they never watching sports again. Mm-hmm. They're never watching the NBA again. They trash. The MLB was trash for um, canceling the, um, the Astros games, that that the, yeah. or the game. And I, I, I hope that I hope the NFL do this with the first game of the year, uh, a low key of a prime time game of the year. And I, I I just wish they do that. But I just want I just want to piss everybody else off, man. Yeah, I, I feel you, Figgy. All I'm saying is, don't get your hopes up, man. <laughs> it's gonna happen no matter what. <laughs> so, but but yeah, that that'll be the most surprising thing out of all of this to me if that actually happened. But Brandon brought up a great point. All these teams cancel practice, and the Texans still play like you said that bullshit ass scrimmage for no reason. So yeah, they're definitely gonna they're definitely gonna play, man. It, it, it's it's already written in stone. No pandemic, no no fucking coronavirus. Nothing is gonna stop them from playing this game, man. It's gonna happen. And it is what it is. You know, the players will make their statements. They will do what they feel is right to bring attention and awareness. Hopefully, it works at least helps a little bit. 
But yeah, they're, they're going to do the kneeling thing. They're going to do the black national anthem. Remember, we got that now. Oh, Get every voice and sing before the game. So hey, you, but no, nah, they're you, they're going to play football. You think it's a chance the Chiefs will not come out the locker room? No, they're going to play. Like first off, fucking Patrick Mahomes. I'm sure he feels strongly, but he also just got a fat ass contract. So uh, you definitely know he's going to. Um, they're, 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 I just have no faith that anybody's seriously entertaining not playing, man. especially in the NFL, where they're, they're not a whole lot of them have guaranteed money. They get paid game check to game check, and you already don't know if this whole season is going down. You know, we don't know if it's actually going to be 16 games. It might get canceled halfway through if we have, you know, fucking. COVID's still here, plus the flu epidemic at the same time. Yeah. This shit might get canceled. So, with that uncertainty. I don't think you're wrong. I just think, I think it's unfortunate, though, when you, when you think about the context of what you're saying, because, again, I'm thinking along the same lines as you, but I don't think it's a more powerful team than the Chiefs right now, you know? Like, Patrick Mahomes, the point you made about him, I disagree with because, like the the money part gives him all the more um, you know security and and a, an ability to do something like this. Like Patrick Mahomes can afford Patrick Mahomes don't need that first game. That's true. Unlike a lot of the other players that will be playing in that game, he's he gonna be fine with or without that game. He's a made man, you know. Um, and the and the Chiefs themselves are gonna be good for a long time as long as he's on the team. As long as Anthony uh, Andy Reid is still coaching the team. And they're still able to figure out how, how to manipulate their salary cap and still sign everybody else too somehow. Like it's incredible what they're doing, and they're going to be good for a long time. They don't need this game. I think the Texans actually, from a football standpoint, need the game more than the Chiefs do because they're trying to like, you know, prove themselves that they aren't the piece of shit that they showed themselves to be in that last game. And and that's not me. That's not me talking. That's the whole world. That's what the whole world thinks of them at this yeah. point. Like being spotted a twenty four zero lead. Like from a football standpoint, I see how the Texans will be more motivated to go out there and play, um, and where the Chiefs could afford to have more of this broader view on shit. You know, they could, but I don't think they will. Yeah. But it's a hell of an opportunity for them. I think to to do something and to stand up and say something and, and to Patrick Mahomes' credit, like I feel like he's he's spoken up a little bit, you know, like he's got that corny voice and and like he, like he looks like a Simpsons character sometimes, and you're like, what's going on? But I mean, like he hasn't been like he hasn't been weak on this. I don't I don't feel like, um, but this would be an opportunity I feel like to really stand up, and it's a shame that none of us really have faith that they'll do it. That that's actually a fair point about the Chiefs. Um, they could afford to blow this game off, but I still don't think they will. No, nah. um, I I still think it's happening. I think we will see the the gestures and things happening uh, on the field before the game. But once the whistle blows, man, it's going to be business as usual <laughs> on the football field. And the post game, all that talk will be same football talk we've heard. Ain't nobody going to talk about the stuff that happened before the game or whatever. So it is what it is. But uh, we'll see what happened, man. Uh, unprecedented times we're living in right now. And also think about think about all the they, that they did to try to make that 
stadium viable for 22% capacity. Exactly. Like, like I, I won't undermine that or, or underplay that. Like, I'm pretty sure that that was a challenge. And uh, and quite honestly, they're probably looking forward to it. They're thinking, probably thinking of any reason to not have to focus on this and to be able to play that game. That's actually a pretty good point, too, because now I wonder if the NBA, if they would have not played if they had a packed stadium. Oh, yeah. or baseball. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I said that on the show, uh, Figgy on the post game show. I was telling John that, like, I don't think, I don't think that the, I'm not sure that the NBA players would have done it. Yeah, and I damn sure don't think that the baseball players would have done it. Yeah, that's why I said it's it's easier now doing that. But just imagine if it was a pack house, and yeah. you know all the, you know, you're gonna have to try to figure out when to play again, and some Three of these funds would have to be issued. Yeah, for fans gonna want their money back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it would be a shit show. So that'd that's, be real disruption. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I felt like it was kind of the easy way out, doing it with no fans, because you know we could just clip the TV off. As you know, we ain't pay no money for it, so mm-hmm. it's easy just to move on. But if you spent all that time going downtown, paying for parking, and you know clearing your schedule out to go to this game. For it to be like, nah, we cool, we not playing tonight because of this, that would be a lot of disruption. And honestly, I would be surprised if it was some a couple fights in the stands for you know one side oh, saying, yeah, 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 this high should got be done. Game drunk for nothing. Yeah, you you might have some uh you know maga maga hats in there pissed off, you know, ready to fight. So mm-hmm. I think yeah, this is probably the safest route. <laughs> And a big issue too with like the fans, and we know this figure, all of us, you know, haven't been dealing with, you know, the, with radio and with fans and the, and the audience feedback. There is an entitlement to these sports. Like that's the issue that we're talking about here anyway. The reason why it's even a lightning rod because people feel entitled to see these players perform. And so like, God forbid, like we see what the reaction is online. You can imagine what it would be in person. <laughs> Mm-hmm. If they feel like you get one of these entitled type fans, Chuck or somebody out here, I don't know. You know, you get these entitled fans that feel like that that, it, that these these players serve no other purpose than to just serve them. Mm-hmm. They they show up to the stadium and they don't serve them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I honestly would hate to see it. To be quite honest with you, yeah, it would be very yeah. interesting, man. It'd be interesting as hell. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah, great, great discussion on all this. I'm glad we had you on, Brandon Scott. Of course, a great insight from you as always. Um, as it pertains to everything that's going on in the sports world right now. Um, now, we got a, we are technically a hip-hop podcast. We've got to squeeze a little bit of hip-hop in here, man. Uh, so there was something that happened over the week uh so the the Megan Thee Stallion thing is kind of still an issue right now. Of course, she came out and admitted that Tory Lanez shot her. Um, to this day, I still haven't seen a whole lot of support for her from major artists, you know. But Bun B, at the very least, did come out with a statement. I think Max O'Cream came out and said something, too. But uh, Bun B finally came out and, and spoke on it, and this is what he said. Man, Tory Lanez, okay? And I don't care if this go viral or none of this. I'm from Houston, and if somebody would have done something to Megan in this city, we would have rolled. Megan in L.A. by herself. It's just her, T. Ferris. 
She ain't got a mama no more. Her mama's gone. Her daddy is gone. Her grandmother is gone. All the people that loved her and cared about her unconditionally, that looked out for her and would have protected her, ain't there. So as an OG in Houston, I'm standing up. Tory Lane did some whole shit. Period. Yeah, I, I know Tory. I know his manager. I know all of them, man. Fuck all that, though. Fuck all that. If the man on drugs, get him some goddamn rehab. That was it. All right. Um, hold on, I gotta um, you have to mute Brandon real quick because he has some <laughs> some going on in the background. But uh, my bad, my bad, my bad. It's all good. So Brandon, we've kind of talked about this, but what what is your take on this whole thing with Megan Thee Stallion and Tory Lanes? Um, and do you think more people should speak up? Do you think people are being Silent to preserve, because boozy, boozy, little boozy of all people, <laughs> most outspoken nigga on earth, it seems like, will involve himself in all matters that have nothing to do with him. Suddenly, he said he had nothing to say when yeah. asked on his IG live about that. Yeah. He said he don't want, he didn't want to say nothing because he didn't want it, what he said to be taken the wrong way. <laughs> And some people are saying he's learning, but I just feel like that said a lot for him not to weigh in on that because he weighed in on uh, D Wade and his family. He weighed in on all type of other stuff. Yeah, he didn't just he didn't just weigh in on that. (laughs) Good God, did he weigh in ever? My goodness. He doubled and tripled down on the D-Wade son shit, (laughs) even after the backlash happened. So I can't believe he's suddenly enlightened. I think he's trying to protect both relationships. If he even has a relationship there, he don't want to ruin anything in which I think most of the industry is doing right now, honestly. Yeah. Cause you don't yeah. hear a whole lot of people talking about this shit at all. Yeah. I, I find it really curious, honestly, cause I don't, I don't understand it because of how big a star Meg is. Like if she was some scrub, some nobody, um, even if she was just some up and comer, like if this had been Meg, a year or two, two, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I maybe would have even understood, like, it just not maybe resonating as much. But considering how big of a star she is, I honestly don't understand it beyond, you know, I guess sort of the somewhat simple explanation that women just do not get the benefit of the doubt. Victims don't get the benefit of the doubt far too often in violent situations like this there's always going to be they're they are always going to be met with some level of skepticism women in particularly and then black women especially um and so that's the the part that that sticks out um it's hard to to, to fully understand what's going on here because i feel like even people who you would think would be advocates of black people and black women and and against violence against black women for sure um would have spoken up it's it's just it's really odd um when you consider how big of a star she is uh and i don't think it should take that to be clear like i'm not saying that her stardom should should like value you know validate her humanity um but when you consider all of that it is very very odd that um that that wouldn't be taken into more account. So I, I, you know, I was glad to see that Bun spoke up. Um, 
I was glad to see that Max, but Max told more of a funny story, mm-hmm. um, uh, more of a funny tale about his encounter with, uh, with, with, with Tori and, and I guess maybe his crew or whatever. But, um, yeah, man, it's just, it's, it's, it's really like just a letdown because like, you know, <laughs> Meg, she, like she's not just like out here twerking and like she's out here rapping her ass off yeah you know what i mean that's another thing like the respect that i think that i feel like she should command is uh like that's the troubling part somebody that should command as much respect as megan the stallion is not commanding it somehow and you know that's that's very daunting for all of the rest of just everyday black women running around here that want to be heard and, and validated and, and uh, you know, and, and want to tell their stories of, uh, that are like this and, and want to be supported. Like you look at, you look at that. If we can't support this one, you know, what does that say about us and, and about how we would handle this in a, in, you know, in a different scenario, in a less um, profile scenario, you know, like um, that's, that's really what, that's really what stands out to me, man. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of this whole fucking. I saw a, uh, a a march for R. Kelly happening over the week. I don't know if y'all saw this video. There's a bunch of people in Chicago apparently, and I thought it was just a few, like three or four people. Dog, it was dozens of people out there marching for R. Kelly, saying "Free R. Kelly," and 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 where were the parents at? And all this goofy shit. They had signs up for him and everything, man. So. Mm. It kind of reminded me of that where the male celebrity is believed because he's a guy, I guess, or because they like him more. Or he has more of a female fan base. But I don't know. Figgy, what what are your thoughts on this, man? How, how, how are you taking this shit? I'm, I'm kind of glad uh, Bun B spoke up on this because it, to me it was weird that nobody from Texas was, you know, coming forward and saying, yeah. like, nah, like, fuck that type of thing. And I'm glad he did. He said, he pretty much said, I don't give a shit if this go viral. I don't care about none of that. Sorry, that's some whole ass shit. And I wish it was more, um, celebrities and artists that was going hard like this. What, what's weird is, out of all people, I felt like Holly Berry is the one that been going hard for Meg. Mm-hmm. She been tweeting her ass off about, you know, this whole situation. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of glad Bun B, you know, just said, fuck it. Let me just throw this video out here because I, I like y'all said, I don't understand why people have so much questions for her. It's, it's one thing if, if it was some type of, uh, video vitsin or some IG model that be scamming people got a history like that. She don't had no history where you could say, wait a minute, what was she doing? Or uh, maybe she did this. Like she, she don't have a history like that. So for people to just keep coming to her, questioning her, to me, I, I felt like that's that's a little ass backwards. And nobody is asking for Tory Lanes. Nobody is saying, hey, you know, that's fucked up what he did. I don't, you know, nobody coming for him. So, yeah. so uh, that, that's to me, that's the crazy part about it. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad Bun B actually spoke up. And I'm, uh, I, I want to say he did this like a week ago, and I haven't seen anybody else do a video like this or mm-hmm. or be very vocal as far as like celebrities, as far as like artists. 
So I, I'm not sure Tory got that much stock into the game where they don't want to say anything about him or what, but I, I guess Tory got some type of clout where people don't want to say shit right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, another thing that I saw that really shocked me, I didn't hear this myself, but I got a phone call about it. Apparently there was a radio caller, uh, Apparently, 979 The Box took calls on this earlier in the week. And there was a dude that called in. Now, mind you, this is being told to me second person. You know, so this is third hand on my part. But somebody basically called in saying that Meg be talking bad about men and her music. So why she expect men to come to her defense now? And I'm like, wow. Um, I, I never even viewed it that way. I never... Like, I imagine how weak you got to be to hear the, some of the shit that she's saying that might be construed as negative towards men. But to hear that and to, and to take a, uh, to feel like that's a shot at you or like to, to feel hit by it. You know what I'm saying? Like, to the point to where you don't, you, like, you, you can value, you can justify her getting shot. That's how weak you are based off of what she's saying, really more so about women and herself. You know, it's not even about men um, as much as it is about, I, you know, I feel like her music is more, you know, focused on women and like her own, you know, her own agency. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. But uh, but yeah, like I, I, I when I heard about that, I'm like, yo, it's really dudes out here that feel threatened by a woman who can talk shit better than them, you know? It's not even just that, man. And that's the same shit I think I said last podcast where that shit annoys that people are hypocrites and they don't even realize it because saying something like that is just like saying, well, Jacob Blake had a criminal history. So how you can be surprised that he got shot? You know, George Floyd had a criminal history. So, I mean, hey, maybe if he didn't, he wouldn't have got killed. That's the same argument that the racists use. And to go back to the point I made on that podcast, I said, you know, suddenly people need to know the background history of what happened to just to like they're asking, what did Megan do? But when you see an unarmed black man get shot, you never as a black person say, well, what was he doing before? You know, mm-hmm. what, what was the context for this? But suddenly they need context when Tori shoots Meg to want to know what she was doing. Yeah. So the hypocrisy is out of this world, man. I really hate shit like and, that. People don't even realize what they're doing. And it's the same thing, though. That's the funny part about it. Like, it don't, like, when a black person get killed, you know, an unarmed black person get killed, we, like, we never say, what was he doing? Like, it don't matter what he was doing, unless he had a pistol up to somebody's head or something like that, and it was like a life or death situation. Like, there, it was no reason to kill this person. It's no reason to shoot somebody's seven times in the back when they going or moving away or running away. So with this same situation, it's like, you know, they're trying to find an excuse. It's like, no, like, it's no reason to shoot a woman. Like, no reason. I don't care. Like, if I was in a situation where, you know, a woman just so happened to whoop my ass, I just got to take that ass whooping. Take that L, man. Yeah, I can't, you know, it it can't be a reason where I had to shoot this girl unless I'm literally, you know, about to, she about to push me off a cliff or something. 
And she got to be shooting at you. Yeah, it gotta, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it got to be something like that, man. And nine times out of ten, it's not really that situation. So I, I just don't see how people trying to get Tori a pass. Like, I don't give a damn if Meg was drunk. I don't give a damn if she started the fight, if she was arguing, if she, you know, called him a midget. I don't, like, it don't matter what it was, man. Like, he had no reason to, you know, shoot her. So I I just don't see how people trying to, you know, give a reason, you know, what she do or, you know, what happened. And I don't want to talk about it because, you know, I don't know the full story. Like it don't at this point it don't matter if it's the full story. Like she was actually shot. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and she and and you know, I understand before because she wasn't saying who shot her. We was kinda it was alleged that, you know, Tori shot her, but she came out and said, Tori shot me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I like at that point, people need to, you know, stop sitting on their hands and, you know, say something. Like, I don't want to hear, oh, what happened at the party or, you know, well, she was a little drunk or she hit him first and all that shit. As a man, you got to walk away. You got to take that L. And I have to bring up as well, man, for all the smoke that's coming at black men and black celebrities for not saying anything. The strongest statements I've seen have come from Bun B and Maul from the Joe Button podcast. Mm-hmm. Nobody else, female or otherwise, has really said a whole lot of shit in the industry. Um, and I think Beyonce, uh, Nicki Minaj, and Cardi B, Megan work with all of them. They should say something too. But all I've seen is vague statements and nothing particularly about Tory Lanez being a scumbag for shooting her. So whatever, man. Y'all, uh, let me, let me ask real quick. Since y'all know the industry so well though, like, what are the, what's the likelihood that there's some kind of industry gag order on this? Not like official, but like an unofficial industry-wide gag order. I don't know who would pull the strings on something like that, but it just seems so curious to me that you would have all of these stars and especially like the way you just laid it out, Rocky. Like, how is that even possible that between all of them, there's nothing? I think that's possible. I'm a conspiracy guy, so I will float that out there, too. Um, I also think it's possible that, you know, the same reason Lil Boozy gave, you know, I think he was just honest. I think a lot of people can foresee them working with both artists in the future. Same thing happened to R. Kelly. You know, everybody knew what the deal was with R. Kelly. But when he was hot, Lady Gaga was making songs with him. You know, all these so-called feminist women were working with him gladly and, and, and ignoring the bullshit that we all knew that he was about because he was hot at the time. Tory Lanez had a pretty hot sum whole, whole year. You know, one of the rare celebrities who actually had a glow up this year, you know, with the quarantine radio and shit, you know? So I think people see that and they say, okay, I don't want to choose sides because I don't know what the future holds. I might need to work with both of them in the future. So I think that might be the reason, too, man. It's shitty, but, you know, in entertainment, relationships are everything. And I think that has a whole lot to do with it, too. So so do y'all think with this being said, do y'all think because it sounds if this the case, I feel like a lot of people feel like this will blow over where, you know, Tory won't do any time. He, you know, he going to get back to doing what he was doing before. 
being a uh, you know a hot artist and you know Meg gonna be a hot artist too, and everything's just gonna blow over and get back to normal. And yeah, right. I mean, it, it probably will blow over, man. I think that's probably the sad part about it. You yeah. know, I mean, that's 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 part of the tragedy of it. Obviously, past her flesh wounds, that's gonna be the tragedy of it. That is that is probably gonna blow over. Tori's not gonna really be held accountable for it more than likely. Um, and then we're gonna go back to we're gonna go back to usual. Yeah. I mean, if Chris Brown could recover, anybody could recover, man. You know, so in Trey Songs as well, you know, people have been abusive in the past and they skated by. So yeah. I think that's probably gonna happen here too, man. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh we'll we'll stay tuned. Hopefully more people come out and make statements about it, but I think he'll just lay low for probably the rest of the year and then come back, you know, early next year with some old bullshit. He might do a whole he, – he'll have some kind of apology tour for it or whatever, but people – Go on the red table. It, yeah, he'll come on a red table talk. I can see that happening. <laughs> Kells, Kells, uh, R. R. Kelly survived, what, 20, 25 years of, of yeah. known abuse. Yeah. His, his brand survived it. And, and so, very true. And it took for him to not be hot anymore. Yeah, he had to be washed up until they finally said enough. <laughs> yeah. How coincidental. Yeah, so, yeah. And, um, I think I think the same thing with Trey Song's going to end up happening because when when was his last hot song? I think eventually where, you know, if nobody could benefit off of him and nobody really checking for him anymore, I can see it being the same thing as R. Kelly. You know, just nothing but women defending him and, you know, women, you know, saying, oh, he's not like that for real. And, you know, he's cute and all this other stuff. And a lot of people, you know, trying to get him out of here. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens, man. Uh, but I don't know. At this point, you know, I thought he would get canceled at first, but with the industry reaction being what it is, I think he'll, he'll rebound, but we'll see, man. We'll, we'll of course keep everybody updated when we find out new shit about that. Yeah. Maybe get, uh, Brandon Caldwell back on and see if he's, uh, anything <laughs> to investigate. But all right, guys. Uh, I think that about does it for this edition of the podcast, man. Um, real quick sports take who y'all got taking since we're back on the distractions now. Who y'all got taking the Rockets and Thunder series at this point? It's tied 2 2. I got the Rockets, man. I think it's the Rockets and seven. I, I always okay. thought it was, uh, I always thought, I think at first I said Rockets and six. Um, but the last couple of games got me thinking, you know, they're probably going to lose another one. Um, but man, Rockets and seven, man, they, they should beat this team because they are better. Yeah. Um, but they they play defense selectively. That was the thing that got me their first couple of games. They actually committed to playing defense. And I figured, man, if they do that, they could beat anybody, really. They're as good as anybody if they do that. Um, but then they stopped doing that. And then the, the, the role players stopped hitting shots. James Harden uh, got careless with the ball, which he is known to do. Mm-hmm. Um so, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to figure that they're just going to win the next two games, but, uh, but they should win it, win it in seven. Okay. Okay. What about you, Figgy? You uh, I got the Rockets in six. I th- uh, Russell Westbrook coming back. So I think this will be a more explosive team. And I think, I think that's it. Uh, it, it was a little scared because last time we did the podcast, it was 2-0. 
Yes. <laughs> and I was looking like a fool because I thought uh, <laughs> I thought OKC was going to give them a big run for their money. And now we, you know, we bat tied 2-2. Two, two. So um, right. I, I think with Russell Westbrook coming back, I think it's about to be totally different. The, the t- Check it out, dog. The title of my last podcast that I did is No One Wants to Play the Rockets. <laughs> Because they were up too low. Yeah. Yeah, I feel great about that. I feel really good about that today. Because they were up too low and they look pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, But that did not age well at all. What's funny is people were saying how the uh, the Lakers might be the team to play because they don't look too good, but they they kicked the shit out of the Portland Trail Blazers last game. The the game was over from, like, the first half. (laughs) So... Crazy. Yeah, man. All the frauds getting exposed right now, man. Everything is going <laughs> as, as we thought it would now. There was a little scare in the beginning. Yeah. I can't call the Rockets series, man. All I know is if the Rockets lose, they should shut down the bubble. We got <laughs> to focus on social issues at that point. You know? <laughs> we don't need sports no more if the Rockets lose in the first round. So shut the whole thing down. Boycott whatever you got to do, but we don't need this anymore. <laughs> I, I, I'm extremely, you become extremely more conscious once they lose. They're like, you know what? You know what? This is a distraction anyway. Yeah, this is a distraction. <laughs> you gonna see me walk around with the autobiography of Malcolm X too? Everywhere I go, flipping through it, rocking that dashiki. <laughs> Damn, I yes, forgot what uh, I was about to ask y'all. Shit. Oh, something about the NBA. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, fuck it. Oh no. So good, man. You'll think of it after the podcast, probably for sure. <laughs> but uh, all right, man. So great discussions as always. Um, of course, thank you, Brandon Scott, for joining us as well, man. Always appreciate your input and insight. Uh, and we can find you on Twitter at I know your Twitter account. I just don't know by name. It's at Brandon K Scott. Yes. And, and yeah, man, just follow me there, man. That's where everything pretty yeah. much uh, is happening. At anything that's happening with. I'm doing for work at 610 radio.com okay. and of course podcast? Uh, my podcast the, the 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 B block and that's you can follow the podcast to uh, B underscore block underscore podcast uh, dropping those every week um, I had got out of the mix a little bit um, just because I'm you know I got a bunch of other personal shit going on but um, but yeah I do those for the most part pretty much every week and you know. Just you know, try trying try to say things that we're not allowed to say mm-hmm. um, in other places. <laughs> yeah. um, be able to just talk it out and hash it out, man. So that's where you can find me. At. Yeah. Oh, I know I what I was about. To, I know what I was about to say. So if the Rockets, if they lose this series, do you think they clean house? Dan Tony's gone. Dan Tony's gone. He has to go if they lose this series. Yeah. Well, GM. Because I, 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 he made this I think trade. Maury's on the way out anyway. Because after that China shit. Yeah, because so, he he made this trade, and they should be yeah. a better team. And for him to lose to the team he traded with in the first round, I think you got a clear house. I'll, I'll be real. I think Tillman wanted to fire Maury immediately after that Chinese <laughs> that China tweet, but he was told not to because it would look bad for the league if they did that. Oh, so yeah. I think Tillman's waiting for the season to end, and I think Maury's gone regardless. I think yeah. he knows his time is, is limited too. Uh, That's a better way to fire him, I guess, if they don't yeah. make it out the first round. Yeah, 
I'm also curious how much more he even wants to still fucking be there in the first place. I agree. Um, like, how much does he want to work for Tillman Fertitta? Um, I mean, you see what's happening with Mike D'Antoni. His name is coming up in coaching vacancies, and his team is still playing. <laughs> He's still got a job. His thing, his they could theoretically still win the title. And people are talking about uh, where he could coach next. So you know he's gone. Um, I mean, unless they win the title, that changes the calculus of everything. But um, but I don't think that's going to happen. So if, if they don't win the title, um, then Tony's gone. And what happens with Maury is really interesting. I don't think he's there either because <laughs> it, it seemed like I agree with Rocket. I don't think he would still be there if, um, if, if Tillman had his way entirely. And I don't get the sense that Maury too much want to work with Dylan Fertitta no more. It's, I feel like it's a totally different. Uh, like, let's just be honest. I think Maury might be a little too smart to work with Dylan Fertitta. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's something. There is something to that. Uh, not just like intellect, but also his knowledge of the league. Like Tillman doesn't really fully understand the NBA yet, um, and and thinks very highly of his own opinion. So I don't know how interested he is in learning about the NBA. Um, Beyond the ways in which he can just make his money, and uh, and then Maury is just like you know <laughs> super smart, almost to a fault even, mm-hmm. um, to where he might even overthink it. Um, I don't see that being a, a good mix and match for the long term. So, but it's interesting though because like you look at it, if they win this series, say they win the next, you know, say they go to the conference finals and lose, or to the finals and lose, that's a pretty fucking successful season still. So um, I don't know what you do with that, but I can't I can't see everybody coexisting. I don't get that the the trio of Bertita, Maury, and D'Antoni. I don't see nobody that like the next guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. I don't feel it. I don't feel that way. They may not hate each other, but I don't feel like we got a a trio of folks that seem to be ready to work together for a long time. Yeah, I I don't see D'Antoni like wanting to come back either. I can see him because look, Brooklyn they they position is open. I can see him wanting to go to Brooklyn to uh, the coach KD and Kyrie. Better job, yeah, Way better job. Yeah, I can see him going to New Orleans. And I mean, coach a young talent. Yeah, better job. Definitely, the next couple of years that'll be a better job. Yeah, you know, if Zion, if, you know, if Zion stay off the uh, stay off the uh, the Twinkies and cheeseburgers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see, man. So, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I think we do think that it's probably the last, at least that we see all three of them. Clear house. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, back to wrapping up the podcast, man. (laughs) Of course, uh, follow Brandon at uh, Brandon K. Scott on Twitter. Uh, Check out his podcast at D Block as well. Very, very interesting. If you like this podcast, you'll like that one, too. So, check him out for sure. Great listen. Of course, Figgy is at the Figgy Fig on social media. Um, you can hear him on um, In The Loop, 10 to 2, weekdays, Sports Radio 610 as well. Um, all the dope hip-hop shit you hear on that show is because of him. Yeah. Don't let nobody else take credit for it, man. That was his creation. <laughs> <laughs> you just won't and, hear me talking about what's going on in this world. Yeah. I get quiet when it comes to that. <laughs> yes. Th- th- this podcast is our venting for all this shit that we, we usually can't say yeah. uh, on certain avenues. So yeah, if you want to hear the real shit, keep tuning in to Jim's Abuse. But if you just want to hear some cool beats, you know, of course, check them out there as well. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I'm at the Ryan Rocket on Twitter, or Houston Rocket. I forget I changed my shit on Twitter. Yada yada yada. Uh, thank y'all all for joining. Thank y'all for listening, supporting the podcast. Shout out to Tab, uh, Tab Tech. Search that on eBay. Search that on anything you want to buy a phone on. He sells phones and phone cases. Check it out. T A B T E C H. Tab Tech. Check it out. Uh, if you got something you want us to uh, shout out to, let us know. And if you want to hear some more of the podcast, we are now on iHeartRadio. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. Download the iHeartRadio app. Stream us or um, listen to every episode. Yes. We are now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and now iHeartRadio. So, yeah, check like us we, out on all like that shit. I feel like we're grabbing all the stones. We, oh, yeah, the Infinity Gems. Yeah, yeah we're going to snap it and make the world all black. So. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> we, we, yeah, on that note, yeah, we, yeah, we got to get title next, though. Maybe Spotify, we need an exclusive deal. Joe Button Podcast gone. Hey, we need an exclusive deal. Fucking, I don't care if you want to own this podcast. Fucking, I want $50 million. Yeah. So <laughs> call us Spotify. We'll be the new Joe Budden podcast, man. For sure. And, uh, yeah, thank y'all for listening. Happy birthday, Michael Jackson. R.I.P. Chadwick Bozeman. And we out. All right, cool. That was like uh, two minutes and ten. Uh, two sixteen. Two sixteen.